Hello, everyone, and welcome to the April 15th edition of the WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Foles, an attorney with the Floyd Scarron Law Firm. Thanks for joining us today. So let's get started with our litigation report. A WCAB panel ruled that an employer has the burden to obtain a physician's return to work form when the employer has reason to believe the worker cannot return to their prior job. Here's what happened in the case of Finkian versus Opus One Labs. Robert Finkian injured multiple body parts and his case was resolved in 2016 by a compromise and release. And his entitlement to a supplemental job displacement voucher was not resolved in the 2016 order approving. In 2015, before the case was settled, a QME report specified permanent disability impairment ratings for the various body parts. The QME further said that Fintkian should have prophylactic work preclusions, such as no very heavy lifting or repeated bending or stooping. After the case was settled, the applicant demanded a supplemental job displacement voucher, which was denied by the defendant. The workers' compensation judge found that applicant was not entitled to a supplemental job displacement voucher because there was no evidence that a physician's return to work and voucher form was sent to or received by the defendant. A petition for reconsideration was granted and the WCAB reversed, finding that Fintkan was indeed entitled to the supplemental job displacement voucher in the case of Fincan versus Opus One Labs. The sole issue at trial was whether applicant is entitled to a voucher when a physician's return to work form was not sent to or received by the carrier. The labor code section specifically provides that an employer's obligation to offer regular, modified, or alternative work in lieu of a supplemental job displacement voucher is to be made no later than 60 days after receipt of a medical report in the form created by the administrative director. This form is described as a mandatory attachment to the medical report and that informs the employer of work capacities and restrictions relevant to regular, modified, or alternative work. This form is identified as the Physician's Return to Work and Voucher Report. In this instance, the defendant had the burden to obtain a physician's return-to-work form when the defendant was apprised of the applicant's permanent disability status and work preclusions in the QME report. They justified this by saying, to conclude otherwise would place form over substance. And our crime report. 42-year-old Carrie Elaine Marcus was a registered nurse who sold more than 20,000 prescription opioid pills and products on various darknet sites, including Silk Road 2.0, Pandora, and Alphabay. After she purchased legitimate prescriptions from willing sellers, she resold these pills through her darknet business, Pharmacy 41, which she ran from her Rancho Cordova home. When her business operated on Silk Road 2.0, she sold more than 8,500 hydrocodone pills and more than 2,500 oxycodone pills and earned about $230,000 in Bitcoin. 
Her business then operated on Pandora and completed about 393 transactions. There, she earned about $122,000 in Bitcoin. On Alphabay, she completed about 262 transactions for hydrocodone, oxycodone, morphine, methadone, and fentanyl, and her Bitcoin earnings were worth about $74,000. After a search of her home, federal agents found about $1.8 million in Bitcoin held on a cold storage cryptocurrency wallet and also found about $234,000 in cash. Prosecutors say the Darknet supports an illegitimate commerce system where criminals think they can anonymously traffic dangerous substances and goods into the United States. The Darknet has become a one-stop shop for individuals peddling powerful opioids because of the anonymity it seemingly offers to those who seek to evade detection according to the DEA special agent in charge. County and Sheriff's Officer authorities nabbed 540 pounds of processed marijuana and $140,000 overall from five sites in Santa Cruz and Monterey counties while investigating allegations of unlawful distribution and cultivation of cannabis. The businesses are also suspected of tax evasion, money laundering, and operating without workers' compensation insurance. Five sites were searched by deputies assigned to the Santa Cruz County Licensing Office. The business owners are accused of not complying with state and local regulations regarding cannabis cultivation. In one suspected scheme, there is evidence of at least one business using money orders in a sophisticated effort to launder large amounts of currency to avoid paying the Santa Cruz County cannabis business tax. All of the searched businesses were controlled by the same corporate group of people who are suspected of directing specific financial transactions to avoid financial reporting and their tax obligations. Recent regulations have spurred an uptick in investigations of once illicit market. Multiple residential properties in Santa Cruz County are linked with the corporate officials being investigated. Those properties also have been the focus of recent investigations linked with unregulated, unlawful commercial cannabis. However, no one was arrested during the recent investigations. Officials will consult with the district attorney's office to determine whether criminal charges are suitable. Civil assessments will also be considered. 64-year-old Dr. Laura Anderson, a neurosurgeon from Carmichael, has been charged with multiple counts of medical insurance fraud, workers' compensation fraud, and grand theft. After allegedly submitting over $500,000 in fraudulent medical services reimbursement claims to the state compensation insurance fund. Dr. Anderson was arrested and booked on these charges at the Sacramento County Jail. She is released on bail and is scheduled to appear in Sacramento County Superior Court for her arraignment. Prosecutors say that Dr. Anderson allegedly billed the state fund for medical services she never provided to her patients and charged changed the coding of bills for x-rays and telephone consultations to charge for more costly services. 
Anderson has been affiliated with the Sutter Medical Center in Sacramento and Sutter Roseville Medical Center. A deputy district attorney from El Dorado County has been cross-designated to prosecute the case in Sacramento County where it has been filed. And in regulatory news, the DWC posted a progress report on the department's independent bill review program, that's known as IBR. IBR is a process used to resolve billing disputes for medical treatment and medical legal services provided to injured workers. Prior to SB 863, a medical provider engaged in a billing dispute with a claims administrator was limited to filing a lien with the WCAB in order to resolve that dispute over the amount initially billed. But SB 863 established second bill review, and IBR to expediently decide billing disputes. The 2018 Independent Bill Review Report analysis of the period 2013 to 2017 examines the IBR program activity from its inception. This provided an evaluation of the program during the first five years following enactment of the law. During the first few months of the program, the IBRO received only a handful of applications. In the second quarter, filings increased and then accelerated throughout the remainder of 2013. By 2014, 2009 applications were filed, and the number of filings in 2015 and 16 was nearly identical. Currently, filings decreased about 10% from the peaks in previous years, now to about 2,151 filings each year. In the first five years, almost half the challenge buildings related to physician services, including visits, consultations, and non-surgical procedures. The second highest number of review requests was for services at hospital outpatient departments and ambulatory surgical centers. Among the filings that receive a review and a case determination, 71% were overturned by independent bill review. This means that the IBRO determined that additional reimbursement was indeed warranted. Overturned IBR case decisions for applications filed in 2013 through 2017 resulted in the reimbursement to providers totaling slightly more than $12 million over those years. The Workers' Compensation Insurance Rating Bureau of California has released its quarterly experience report based on insurer loss and premium experience through the end of December 2018. California written premium for 2018 was 4% below that for 2017 and 6% below that for 2016, as recent declining premium rates have more than offset payroll growth. The industry average charge rate is 11% below that for 2017 and 24% below the peak in 2014. The projected combined ratio for 2018 of 91% represents the sixth consecutive year of combined ratios below 100%. However, the 2018 combined ratio is six points above that for 2017 and was driven by higher severities for 2018 and lower premium rates. 
indemnity claims continue to settle more quickly, and the ratio of claim closure for 2018 represents a 19-year high. Cumulative trauma claim rates continued to be at a high level in 2017, and the ratio of CT claims to all indemnity claims increased by more than 89% since 2005. Pharmaceutical costs per claim decreased by 69% from 2012 through 2017 and continued to decrease through the first six months of 2018 when the new drug formulary became effective. And lien filings since 2016 have declined significantly, with the number of liens filed in the last two quarters of 2018 dropping 60% below pre-Senate Bill 1160 and Assembly Bill 1244 levels. The full report is available in the research section of the WCIRB website. And the WCIRB Governing Committee met this month to review the Actuarial Committee's analysis of 2018, California Workers' Compensation Loss and Loss Adjustment Expense Experience. The committee conferred on whether to direct the WCIRB to submit a mid-year 2019 advisory pure premium rate filing to the California Department of Insurance. Pure premium rates by definition reflect indemnity and medical losses and loss adjustment expenses only and are advisory and are not required to be adopted by insurance companies. In California's open rating workers' compensation insurance market, insurers are largely free to file their own rates and rating plans directly with the California Department of Insurance. However, mid-year filings and adjustments to advisory pure premium rates can be disruptive to employers, agents, and brokers, as well as to insurers. So the committee established a guideline in 2011 stating that mid-year filings would generally not be made by the WCIRB unless there was highly unusual volatility in experience or major legislative, regulatory, or judicial action. The committee determined that the overall improvement in experience since the January 1, 2019 approved pure premium rates was more moderate and did not warrant a mid-year 2019 pure premium rate filing. The committee also noted there are concerns relating to indicated increases in the average 2018 claim severities, as well as potential distortions in loss development arising from the recent dramatic reductions in pharmaceutical costs. The committee instructed the WCIRB to further analyze these areas in preparation for the January 1, 2020 annual peer premium rate filing. According to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, California is estimated to have nearly 2 million residents who choose to work as independent contractors. And that does not count people who supplement their income through online work. And a 2017 Department of Labor survey found that 79% of independent contractors preferred their current situation, while only 8.8% said they would rather have a traditional work arrangement. Now, more of these self-employed workers and business owners are urging California lawmakers 
to expand a pending bill implementing the new ABC employment test to allow more gig economy workers to be exempted from employee status, and they want a variety of other workers exempted as well. This would include architects, engineers, lawyers, real estate agents, therapists, accountants, barbers, hairstylists, and others who have advanced degrees, are licensed by the state or simply want to remain independent contractors. The proposed ABC test make, takes away the flexibility independent contractors value so highly, and many say their income will take a hit if the proposed bill passes the California legislature. And in medical news, for more than 2,000 years, Chinese healers have used herbal powders and tinctures, dust made from various animal parts, and strategically placed needles to treat a host of human ailments. These are used in hundreds of nations globally, but the practice in China is perhaps the most extensive documented and cataloged in the world. Over the past decade, proponents of traditional Chinese medicine have worked hard to move it into the mainstream of global health care, and it appears those efforts are coming to fruition. Western cultures have preferred what is called allopathic medicine, also called biomedicine, conventional medicine, mainstream medicine, orthodox medicine, and Western medicine. Generally, the term allopathic medicine applies to a system in which medical doctors and other healthcare professionals treat symptoms and diseases using drugs or surgery. But Labor Code 4600 specifically authorizes acupuncture treatment. And as of June 15, 2007, California workers injured on the job got an easier path to receive acupuncture treatment as a result of amendments to the MTUS. Previously, the ACOM guidelines only made a brief mention of acupuncture for shoulder complaints. Now, the latest, 11th version of the World Health Organization's list known as the International Statistical Classification of Diseases and Related Health Problems, this is known as ICD-11, will include these Chinese remedies for the first time. ICD-11 will be presented in the 72nd World Health Assembly for endorsement by member states in May. Following endorsement, member states will begin reporting health data using ICD-11 by January 2022. According to its own mandate, the World Health Organization sets the norms and standards for medical treatment around the globe and it articulates ethical and evidence-based policy options. It categorizes thousands of diseases and influences how doctors treat them, how insurers cover those treatments, and what kind of research is done on which ailments. More than 100 countries rely on the document to determine their medical agendas. China has been pushing for wider global acceptance of traditional medicines, which brings in some $50 billion in annual revenue for its economy. However, there's much pushback from allopathic medicine providers. An extensive assessment was done in 2009 by researchers at the University of Maryland. They looked at 70 review papers evaluating traditional Chinese medicine, including acupuncture, 
And they claim none of the studies proved conclusive because the data were either too paltry or did not meet testing standards. The consensus of these researchers is that to include traditional Chinese medicine in the ICD is an egregious lapse in evidence-based thinking and practice. They say data supporting the effectiveness of most traditional remedies are scant at best. And in other news, injured Tesla workers are claiming foul play. The Center for Investigative Reporting previously claimed that Tesla systematically kept worker injuries off the books. And in a new Reveal investigation report, the journalists have followed up with an article claiming to show details on how Tesla and its doctor made sure injured workers did not get the workers' comp benefits. Reveal journalists say that Tesla and Dr. Basile Besh coordinated behind the scenes in an arrangement that financially benefited both the car maker and the doctor to the detriment of the injured worker. Witnesses say that inside a medical clinic not far from Tesla's electric car factory, the automaker's workers' compensation manager would pressure Dr. Basile Besh to make sure Tesla was not on the hook for certain injured workers. And whistleblowers say Dr. Besh did whatever he could to not jeopardize his chance to run Tesla's on-site factory clinic. According to former employees, Dr. Besh's clinic had been struggling to make money. They say business dropped off when Tesla opened an on-site factory clinic managed by another company in 2016. But as Tesla took heat for how often and its factory workers were getting injured, <clears throat> his company, the doctor's company, Access Omnicare, <clears throat> got a chance to win back Tesla's business and take over its on-site clinic. Neither Tesla nor Dr. Besh responded to questions for this story. So that is all of our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and much, much more. Remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone, your iPad, and your Android device by searching for the WorkComp Academy with your podcast software. And we also publish a daily flash briefing on the Amazon Alexa Echo platform. Search for Workers' Compensation News on Amazon. Again, I'm Renee Fols with Floyd Skarin, Manukian Langevin. Thanks for joining us today. Please drop by again next week for more news. <laughs>